Notice, Jesus heard that his ministry was now making it up to the ears of the leaders in the area. And so what does Jesus do? Does he make an appointment with Herod the Tetrarch? Does he want to go share his vision with Herod and say, listen, I'm the Messiah who is to come? No, Jesus makes a different appointment. He makes an appointment with God. He gets alone with God to get further instruction It's easy to get alone with God when things get hard, when you need his intervention in your life. Finding time to ask him isn't difficult. But when things start to go right, that's when you need more than ever to spend time in God's presence. When Jesus was growing in popularity, he retreated to spend time with God. If your life seems to be on an upward slope, you're liking what you see, first, Take time to get further instructions from the Father. Now, here's Pastor Daniel as he begins his message, Jesus is on mission. We respond. I'll never forget it. It was the day before I was about to step on out to plant a church in uh, my native state, of uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey. I'd gone to college there at uh, Rutgers University. And I remember when I came to know Christ in my very last semester there, I remember thinking to myself, I can't believe that I never really met very many Christians in a school of 30,000 people in a town of a third of a million people. The center point between New York and Philadelphia is New Brunswick. And I remember carrying that with me and as God did a work in my life, and I ended up on staff at a church and as an assistant pastor, and I remember it was time for me to take that next step with Jesus, to plant a church, and it was the day before I was leaving um, my pastor, John Henry Corcoran, who was a spiritual mentor for me, and he looked me in the eye and said, Daniel, I have one thing to remind you of, and I will remind you of this over and over again, that you're going to reproduce yourself spiritually in the lives of the people who you're around and the people that you pastor. Make sure you don't mess that up. It's like, but you know what's interesting? That's a universal truth for each human being. We all reproduce ourselves spiritually in the lives of the people around us. If we are bitter, we make the people around us bitter. If we are judgmental, oftentimes we will make the people around us judgmental. And we ended last week with a simple phrase that so many of you came and talked to me about, and that was the phrase that transformed people transform people. And I believe that that's true, and I believe that that is exactly what God is doing in his church. As Jesus is transforming us, as we live and move and have our being in this world in new and unique ways, We pass along the transformation that we're receiving in the lives of other people. That's what we're doing. Transform people, transform people. And so for us as a a church, 
With that in mind, as we were looking to re-articulate our mission and our vision, we didn't want to just talk about us as a church. We also wanted to make sure we put into our mission and vision that the church has a job to do, that God, that Jesus is on mission and Jesus wants his church to be on mission because he is already on mission. So in this series that we call Because Jesus is Real, we respond. We've been going through the different phrases of our mission statement and our vision statement. We've been explaining what they are and why they are. Look at our, our mission. It's simply responding to Jesus. That's, that's, I believe that's a mission statement for life and a mission statement for the church. In every single day, we just respond to Jesus. And that's why I believe God wants a church to be nimble in the way it functions. We don't allow us to get entrenched in different places because what was simply responding to Jesus one day all of a sudden becomes something that hinders us from responding to Jesus the next day because the world is moving. And so each one of us, what Jesus asked of us one day, not that he's going to do the polar opposite, but he might want us to tweak it a little bit to make it through the next day. So all of us are simply responding to Jesus. And I ask you today, how are you simply responding to Jesus today? How is Jesus prompting you, asking you to be different, to live different, to love more extravagantly than we did the day before? So that's our mission. I love it because people have been picking up on this language. Someone said, I'm like, how are you doing today? He's like, well, I'm just trying to simply respond to Jesus. I'm like, yeah, me too. Praise the Lord. But then from our mission, we have our vision. Notice, because Jesus is real, we are a family of faith, fully engaged, transforming our community and our world. We spent two weeks on because Jesus is real, looking at his deity and his humanity. We spent a week on that we're a family of faith, that no matter where we come from, if we're in Christ, we're family. Older people, younger people, more mature people, less mature people, all from different walks of life, made a family. But as a family, we're all engaged. Each one of us is called to be an active, vibrant part of the family. And here, it's just amazing what God is doing. As so many people are, are taking that steps to, to deeper engagement, more engagement. And now today, we're going to focus on this transforming our community and our world. God has called his people universally, church with a big C, and us as a local expression to be part of transforming our community and our world because transformed people do what? Transform people. So first, I want to give you a, a global principle, and then we're going to walk through a passage of scripture. So the global principle for us is that God ordained the church for mission. God ordained the church for mission. When you think about the idea of being ordained, it means to set apart for a purpose. It means to commission. So God commissioned the church for mission. Now, the key to mission is not we need to come up with a mission. It's we need to get on board with what God's mission is. We don't need to figure out a mission, we need to get on board with what God's mission is. And I believe that our mission and vision statement is what God's mission is. 
that because of the reality of Jesus, he makes us a family from every tribe, nation, and tongue, from all different educational backgrounds, economic backgrounds, different views on all sorts of things, but we become a family. And each one of us as part of the family get all the way involved in being the part of the family that God has called us to be. And this family now is growing and pushing out. As God is changing us, we're out trying to change the world. Now, you might say, well, Pastor Daniel, that's great. God ordained the church for mission. Give me some scriptures. And I think that's a good way to, anytime you hear something, well, give me some scriptures. Help me see where in God's holy word, in God's written revelation, this stuff is true. And I'm going to just put two scriptures together. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, and Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I'm going to read them. You don't have to turn there, but if you like doing a little Bible cardio this morning, you can go for it. So look at first Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. This is, listen to what it says. The Lord said to Abram, so this is the calling of Abraham, Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Now notice this. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Do you notice what he says? And I love this because this, Pastor Bill Ritchie's personal mission statement is to bless and to be a blessing. That's what he's told me. He's told us as a church that. Notice, God calls Abram and says, I want you to go. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. And then it, by the time it gets to the end, and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So does God bless us just so we can say, I'm blessed? No, he blesses us so that we can turn the blessing of God outward and bless all the families of the earth. That is why we are the recipients of blessing to be God's blessing bearers in the world. Right there. That's mission right there. God has blessed us, and he wants us to be a blessing. Now, remember I said I was also going to tie it with Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Listen to Jesus talking to his apostles. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So, see, Jesus says, look, I want you to wait until you're empowered by my Holy Spirit, and then you're going to be my witnesses. And you're going to do it first locally in Jerusalem, and then regionally in Judea, and then a greater region, Samaria, and then ultimately to the ends of the earth. See, don't miss the link up there. When you get the Holy Spirit, you're going to be my witnesses of blessing to the world. This is God's mission. This is why Jesus died and rose again, that the people of God, filled with the Spirit of God by faith, would now go into all the world and across the block, and across the house, and across the nation, and across the globe to pass along God's blessing. So God has ordained us for this work. And 
don't miss the fact that the church of Jesus Christ is the most ethnically diverse and broadest group religion in the world. This began in, in a place the size of the state of New Jersey and now is global. And don't get me wrong, you look at church history, it hasn't always been a blessing. It hasn't always been good. But you and I cannot go back and relive a, a point in church history that we had no control over. We weren't there. But we also don't have to live pretending like that's the only way we're supposed to be. So you look back. Some of you in here today, maybe you don't believe in Jesus. You're like, well, the church was involved in the Crusades and the Inquisition and the Salem witch trials. And listen, and we agree with you that all of those things were terrible. And they missed the point of the gospel. Our job is not to live our whole lives trying to make that right. Our job is to simply respond to Jesus and be blessers in this world as God has blessed us. We can't go back and redo another point in history. We weren't here, but God has given us a responsibility for this generation, for this world today. And we, inspired by the Holy Spirit, are going to do our best as God would give us breath in our lungs and energy to be the hands and feet of Christ in the way that Jesus would have us be today. So with that, I want to take us through a passage of scripture. So turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14, the gospel of Matthew chapter 14. And we're going to read the famous miracle of Jesus next to his resurrection. This is no doubt probably the most famous of his miracles, the feeding of the 5,000. And that's if for you discerning Bible, it would be 5,000 men. So there's probably more like eight to 15,000 people there. But this is a, a miracle that is recorded in all four of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all have this account. And I think the reason that is is because we don't want to miss the fact that Jesus is going to be feeding people in the wilderness with bread. And that, of course, has a long biblical lineage from Moses with the manna. You have Elijah being fed in the wilderness. You have the prophet, prophet Elisha feeding people in the wilderness. And now you have Jesus, the new and better Adam, the new and better Elijah, the new and better Elisha, now feeding people with bread in the wilderness. Now, let's read it together. Matthew chapter 14. Picking up in verse 13, it says, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. And when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they ate and were filled and took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. 
Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. If you've been around church at all, you've heard this miracle many times. And I want to just pull some things out of it for us to think about. Now notice first, it begins with when Jesus heard it. And really, if you look at the whole chapter, Jesus heard that Herod, the Tetrarch, heard about Jesus. And then you have this little aside about John the Baptist. So when Jesus found out that Herod, the Tetrarch, one of the leaders of the area, had heard about Jesus' ministry, notice he, in verse 13, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. And when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. So notice, Jesus heard that his ministry was now making it up to the ears of the leaders in the area. And so what does Jesus do? Does he make an appointment with Herod the Tetrarch? Does he want to go share his vision with Herod and say, listen, I'm the Messiah who is to come? No. Jesus makes a different appointment. He makes an appointment with God. He gets alone with God to get further instruction. Lord, Is there anything I'm supposed to do with this? Is there anything I'm not supposed to do with this? What's supposed to happen? So Jesus goes to get away, and the multitudes start to follow him. And then by the time you get to verse 14, look at what it says. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Compassion feeds mission. Compassion feeds mission. Jesus, God alone with his father, prayer is seeing God. Compassion is seeing people. See, Jesus comes on out from his time with his father, and he sees this multitude, and he's moved with compassion for them. That word in the Greek, it's a very vivid term. It literally means to have a gut reaction. Jesus sees them. And he sees them as a sheep without a shepherd. He sees them in their brokenness and in their need. And instead of averting his eyes so he doesn't see them, he beholds them and he has a gut reaction and he begins to help them. I believe one of the biggest struggles we have in this generation, and we're blessed with all of our technology, but because we see so much media and technology, we stop getting a gut reaction for the needs of people. How many of you remember when those first images in the 80s of the children starving in Ethiopia? How many of us remember what that felt like to see those very small children with those huge bloated bellies? I, I, I remember. It's like it's an imprint on my heart because we hadn't seen those type of images before. For those of you who've been around a little longer than me, you remember seeing those first images of the Vietnam War on the television. We hadn't seen those things before. And now, 40, 50 years later, they don't impact us in the same way. I remember during the beginning of the war in Iraq when they had those embedded journalists and I would watch CNN with a fuzzy video watching people. I'm like, wow. But now they don't even impact us anymore because we're bombarded with images. And sometimes because of the bombardment of all of these images, we don't see. We have eyes to see, but we don't see. God really sees us. Isn't that what happened to Hagar? She called him El Roy, the God who sees. 
Every time in the Bible that Jesus is moved with compassion, it always says he saw them and then he was moved with compassion for them. So brothers, sisters, I believe we need to ask God for eyes to see afresh that we can see people. And when we see somebody who is outside of Christ, who does not believe in Jesus, we should be, have a gut reaction. I want, if I was them, I'd want someone to come and tell me about Jesus. When we find out about somebody who is starving, we should say, if I were them, I would want someone to come and bring me some food. If someone is without medical care, we should say, if I were them, I would want somebody to come and help me with that. Compassion feeds mission. God's mission for the church is that we see people and we say, if I were them, what would I want someone to do for me? And where do I get that from? I get that from the golden rule. Treat others as you would want them to what? Treat you. So if you were starving because you live in a country that doesn't have the natural resources, doesn't have clean water, we, would say, we should say, if I were them, just by nature of where they were born, I'd want someone to come and help me. This is why we believe in seeing clean water all over the world, because not only do we have access to clean water, we have all sorts of ways to clean our water. We have ionized water. We have distilled water. We have natural spring water. We have tap water that's already clean, and then we have additional filtrations that we use on it. We're blessed. Do you realize that over 2 billion people in the world do not have clean water? That little kids are going to freestanding water and drinking it, and it's causing deaths of children all over the world? See, we do that because compassion says, if my little children were there, I'd want someone who had the means and the ways to do this to come and help. Because compassion feeds mission. Jesus saw their needs, and he was moved with compassion for them. And he started to heal their sick. Now look at what happens next in verse 15. It says, when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Now you notice what's going on here. This has been going on. Jesus has been healing everyone. The apostles have been along for the ride. And he started looking at their watches. And no doubt their stomachs probably started growling. And they said, man, it's getting late. There's all these people. Jesus, send them away. They need to go into the villages. They need to go take care of themselves. And look what Jesus says to them. I mean, Jesus is crazy sometimes. He says, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. What does this teach us? Brothers, sisters, don't shirk work. Don't shirk work. The disciples didn't want to deal with it. They're like, let them go take care of themselves. They're big people. They have the means. They wanted to get rid of the work. And Jesus says, listen, they don't need to go where you feed them. Jesus is Today, Pastor Daniel showed us how we're all reproducing ourselves in the people around us. When you're bitter or judgmental, it rubs off on the people around you. When you're filled with joy, it too spreads. God has called His church to be on mission in the world. And to do that, you need to follow God to transform everything that's inside of you. 
Then you can jump into transforming the world. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy and the hard reality is if it isn't messy for you now, it will be and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and what it shows us about our mission in the world. Compassion is the motivator for mission. And to have compassion, you need to be able to really see people in the same way that God sees them. When you see a need around you and ask God to step in, you will begin to see God doing great and mighty things in your world. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Because Jesus is Real, We Respond. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.